I reckon you got enough to do looking after yourself, without worrying about me, Master Spaniard, he said good-naturedly. Blueneck shifted his position slightly. I reckon we get paid more than most seafaring folk, he said. Matt snorted. Oh, yes, he growled. Paid? We're paid all right, but how we treated? Blueneck grinned. Like princes of the blood on the island, he laughed. Oh, yes, on the island? Matt's voice rose. But I say, on the brig? How then? Like dogs, men. Like dirty, heathen, black-skinned dogs. And what I ask is, why do we do it? Are we men to be afraid of a, a brown-skinned, drunken little pirate of a Spaniard? Just because he owns a brig or two and smuggles as much rum to you as any other man in the trade? What's he got about him that we should turn wenches and follow him like a scum he thinks us? Save that he has a mighty plaguey way of turning fine words and the knife! The little man who had spoken huddled his blanket closer and shuddered again. The wind dropped for a moment and a tremor ran through the full sails, as though they also had shivered. Matt Turnby laughed, albeit somewhat uneasily. "'A knife!' he said. "'Lord, what's a knife to a man who holds one of these?' He pulled a heavy flintstock pistol out of a pocket in the voluminous skirts of the sleeveless and brightly coloured coat, which he wore over a rough homespun guernsey, and held it on the palm of his open hand. Blueneck smiled grimly. A precious great deal when the hand that holds a knife is blockage of dicks, he said. Matt Turnby laughed again contemptuously. Are you flesh and good red blood, or mud and pond slime, that you fear the foolish word of a Spanish sot? I tell you, no knife held in a mortal hand can stand against a bullet from this. Aye, in a mortal hand? said he of the blanket, fearfully looking behind him. The big sailor swore. Lord, he said, I knew not that I'd come aboard a ship, man, with a, a crew of beldams. I tell you, this great captain of yours will be laid as flat as Mercy Mud with one little lead ball from this. He stroked the pistol lovingly. Maybe, said Blueneck stubbornly. But whoever fired that shot would die by the knife. Yeah, that's tremendous likely, sneered the other. Him on his back with a, a good ounce of lead in that wicked head of his. Blueneck shrugged his shoulders. You can laugh now, Matt Turnby, he said. But you won't always laugh at what I tell you. No, not by a long way that you won't. He hugged his knees to his chin and let the heavy lids fall over his eyes. This apparent indifference seemed to irritate Matt more than words, for bringing his hand down on his knee with a mighty slap, he swore loudly for several seconds. Then, suddenly breaking off short, he burst into a short, sharp laugh. Well, he said, it's time the Spanish swine knew that there's someone aboard who ain't afraid of him. No, neither him nor his knife. Stroke, am I to car down to a Spaniard? He stretched his huge limbs and showed his large yellow teeth as he smiled rather sourly. No, by the Lord, not I, he went on. Let him cross me if he dare, and he'll see good Suffolk blood as a match for thin Spanish sap any day. 
<laughs> Let him cross me if he dare, ho! The laugh died away on his lips, as from just behind his ear came another. It was soft, rich, musical, and wholly unpleasant. At the first sound of it, the three men sat rigid, and when it had ceased there was no sound for several seconds, save for the water lapping against the side and the scream of the gulls overhead. Blueneck was the first of the sailors to recover. He lifted his eyes cautiously to the direction from which the laugh had come. He saw what he feared and expected. Up against the other side of the mast, directly behind Matt Turnby, stood a slight figure, dressed extravagantly in the French style of the day, a dandy from the Brussels frill at his throat to the great silver buckles of rich workmanship which adorned his tan shoes. But it was not these things which stopped the three sailors so suddenly in their talk and caused them to sit aghast.